0: Fans of My Podcast is a proud member of Dark Cast Network, presenting the brightest of indie podcasts. This episode will discuss sensitive and potential triggering topics, including violence, abuse, and trauma, and will contain details and descriptions of crimes and events that some listeners may find offensive, disturbing, and or distressing. This episode may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo. And this is MW. Bringing awareness of murdered and missing Indigenous women, girls, two-spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So, welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. Part two, the continuation of Our Precious Hope. St. Louis Jane Doe will be having her 40th anniversary on February 28th of being unsolved. Our precious Doe was just buried at Washington Park Cemetery. The following day on December 3rd, 1983, a list was narrowed down of missing school 15 to 16 kids that met Doe. The police were going through the list. December 5th, the paper reports that one of the first things that detectives had done was to go to all the grammar schools in the area. The school records were not accurate, and school systems at the time got money for each child enrolled. So, kids who were no longer in school were kept in the books. Tuesday, December 6, Mary Schaefer watched Doe's burial on television and felt called to give the little girl a grave marker. Mary and Charles Schaefer are owners of Schaefer Monument Company in Florissant, they hoped to have a marker ready for her by Christmas. They were leaving a space on the marker in hopes her name is found. Quote, The saddened hearts were healed in knowing the pain of life is over and the beauty of the soul revealed, End quote. would be on her stone. However, the shavers were told they were not allowed to donate the marker by the cemetery who said the St. Louis medical examiners proclaimed the stone quote-unquote, inappropriate. December 19, 1983, Brenda Schlegel, works for the Board of Education, became upset with the post-dispatch writer Bill McClellan, who had written an article that she did not like. Schlegel wanted the information corrected that some school districts had a problem with attendance records, but not all of them. Quote, We cooperated fully with the police. We keep our records up to date. End quote. Between the time of December and February of 1984, the English class taught by Mike Bomber saw the controversy about Doe's marker and wrote letters to officials to fix the situation. They were successful, and the Schaeffers were allowed to place the stone. It is unclear that the situation was about the stone and officials. February 1st of 1984, officials agreed to let the donated stone to be placed for Doe Dr. George Gatner, chief medical examiner, did think the stone was inappropriate, and even after letter and agreement to place the stone said, quote, I think it still may be inappropriate to place a marker on the girl's grave, but I have no objections to the stone being moved there, End quote. Gatner also said, really the police and cemetery officials should decide. And homicide detective Sergeant Herb Riley said police had quote unquote, no objections at all. May 10th of 1984, the 15 members of Livingston III Community High School class taught by Mike Balmer held a small ceremony at Washington Park Cemetery for Doe. They decorated her grave, said prayers, and left. Around the time of 1983 or 1994, estimated, detectives reached out to serial killers Henry Lucas and Otis Toole and asked about a possible connection to Doe. The men both denied any involvement. Lucas and Toole were notoriously being questioned in many other cases around the country. The pair famously would agree to just about any case. It was estimated in the month of February of 1984, Burgoon teletyped a description of Doe's body to every police department in the country. Atkins would mail descriptions of missing children who matched Doe to Sergeant Joe Burgoon if he saw them in a magazines. And investigators had put thousands of hours on this case. February 28th, in an investigative article, Doe's case is compared with another little girl kidnapped from the street and raped in nearby abandoned buildings. The article describes the violence surrounding the abandoned buildings in the area. Henry Autry, assistant circuit attorney, said about of sexual assaults on children that did not involve a relative involved assaults in vacant buildings. By the following day on the 29th, law enforcement released a list of 22 girls' names, hoping it would help them with the identity of Doe. These names were girls who withdrew from school in 1982 and 1983 in the St. Louis or Normandy School District in St. Louis County. These records do not show them being transferred to other schools. 1,000 other girls have already been traced. March 4th, the search narrowed to seven girls instead of the 22 names previously listed on the paper. By June 10th of 1984, Captain Leroy Atkins was quoted, You reach a point when you've done practically everything you can do. So, unless something new comes in, the case sits there. The real reason, I suppose, is a volume of work. You can't devote the manpower. And that's why the headless girl is so frustrating that there's still work to be done, End quote. An article written about many unsolved crimes in the area explains some of the investigation done on Doe's case. A pathologist's examination of her bones determined Doe's age. Doe was tall for her age, even without her head. She was 4 feet 10 inches tall, weighing 70 pounds between the age of nine and 10 years old and in fourth or third grade. Pathologists removed a mold growth from her body and grew a similar fungus in a Petri dish at the Missouri Botanical Garden. The estimated Doe had been dead for three to five days. Doe's case had gotten national attention and they received many calls from psychics, but they were all of no use. Detective Riley, Joe Burgoon and Wayne Bender recently retraced all the investigation steps. They even re interviewed people. They are re checking the accounted school children's lists. They are also tracing 716 girls between the ages of 7 to 12 years old on the lists of aid to dependent children recipients. They have given out 15,000 flyers about Doe. 2,000 letters were sent to schools in Missouri and Illinois to gather information about missing children. Letters were sent to state police and highway patrol commanders across the country. Immigration authorities aided in the investigation. Law enforcement searched the sewer system from Hamilton Avenue, Union Boulevard, Del Mar to St. Louis Avenue, Hodeamont, Union, and Del Mar to Natural Bridge. Even rooftops were checked. A $10,000 reward was offered. Atkins sent out letters to every black newspaper and radio station. The detective said they still get calls, and some have made sense. The last tip from February of that year was, quote-unquote, another wild goose chase. July 22nd, Alton Coleman is mentioned briefly as a possible case connection in the paper. Coleman was a murderer in the Midwest area. Coleman had a history of violence against children. Coleman also had a female partner named Deborah Brown. They both had many alias names. In 1986, Sergeant Bugoon sent a report to the FBI Academy Quantico, Virginia, and asked them to find cases similar to Doe. They had a unique program that analyzed unsolved killings throughout the country. The results were there were no other similar cases. January 28th of 86, Child Find Missouri tried to revive public interest in the case by putting up a thousand for information that would help police identify the girl. They also planned on releasing a hundred thousand flyers across the country. Burgoon and Riley had spent the last three years sending letters to schools in nearby states, working with the immigration office, checking welfare rolls, printing flyers, and enlisting police help across the country. Riley was quoted, I've been accused of being possessed, and I'll be the first to admit I am. It's because I know that someplace out there there's a mother, a family, that knows their child is missing. February 14, 1986, an anonymous letter was postmarked for this day and sent from St. Louis to the Police Department commander. Law enforcement declined to let anyone know what the letter said. And it was unclear if this is a separate incident that was mentioned by Bragoon in an interview with our Precious Hope documentary. It's possible this is another anonymous letter. February 25th, there was news conference and Captain Charles Alphen, commander of the homicide division, appeals to the letter writer via news to call him. And on the following day, Captain Charles often appealed the letter writer via newspaper to call him and offered confidentiality and protection. Literally a year goes by. On April 23, 1987, St. Louis, Missouri detectives attempted to talk with the murderer Vernon Brown to see a connection between Doe and him. Quote, he has no comment about her. End quote. A few years later, on March 3, 1991, Burgoon was looking into an abduction case from Chicago. A a seven-and-a-half-year-old girl was abducted in 1980 but never recovered. Another detective suspected a killer on death row in Missouri and planned to speak with him. May 4th of 1991. Sergeant Joe Burgoon was on Oprah Winfrey in the audience in Chicago Studios' Unsolved Murders. The episode was later aired on May 10th of 1991. By March of 1993, Storage Shed skull was ruled out as too old to be doe. Armed Forces Medical Examiner Office in Washington did the testing on a skull found in May in St. Louis County. Dr. William Rodriguez, a forensic anthropologist, was the one who ruled. A Sharleck police officer got the skull from a man Who was being questioned at this storage shed on St. Charles Rock Road near Interstate 170. Danny L. Davis, 34, of Pagedale, was just a collector. The skull came from a souvenir shop in Limburg Boulevard near Northwest Plaza Shops. Davis was told it was an Indian girl who died by tomahawk. November 20, 1994, Burgoon and Atkins agreed to appear on the TV show called "Sightings." In a 2021 interview, Burgoon says it was Atkins' idea. They had mailed a psychic Noreen Renier, the sweater, and the rope before the show. They never got them back. The evidence was lost in the mail. Burgoon said he called in 2020, and she said that she had sent it via registered mail. Now it is unclear if Burgoon talked with Rainier herself or the show producer. It is also unclear if there had been a follow-up to the mail loss. Joe said the situation was embarrassing. Both Burgoon and Atkins appear in the show and talk about Doe, but they did not leave St. Louis, Missouri. They sit and connect with Rainier by phone. Rainier then touches the rope and sweater and talks with the detectives as if she is Doe. The account is specific and implies that Doe's mother was an addict, the killer's Doe's teacher with a dishonorable discharge, and even tells detectives she was killed by a river near to a bridge with a B name. Finally, they create a killer profile sketch from Psychic Visions. Almost five years later, after Burgoon and Atkins appeared on Sightings TV show, May 7th, 1999, Rochelle Rowe, a Channel 2 reporter, covered Doe's story on this day. Although Rowe covered the story well, the visuals received criticism for their tabloid style. In 2001, estimated, Ron Henderson wanted to exhume Doe and try to mineral isotope testing that year. Unfortunately, with the events of 9-11, the project was put on hold. On February 18, 2001, an article in the paper muses a possible serial killer connection a death row inmate in Texas named Lynn Sells. Lynn Sells committed other murderers, but told law enforcement he killed a black female in Missouri. Sells has a history of violence against children and lived in St. Louis, Breckenridge Hills, for most of 1983. Now on April 28, 2001, Precious Doe from Kansas City, Missouri, was a similar case. The two cases brought up memories and emotions. And they were studied to see if there was a connection between them. Erica Michelle and Marie Green's case was solved and ruled out as connected to St. Louis 1983 Little Doe, and it was confirmed the rule out on July 10, 2001. May 29, 2001, four detectives continue to work in the case, but newer murders get priority. November 1, 2002, the strange story of a private investigator is published in the paper. An anonymous woman gave 3000 in cash to test the DNA she collected. The woman claimed that Doe was American Indian from a group home in the upper Midwest and whose mother had been murdered. A drifter living in the southern Texas allegedly killed her. Burgoon did promise to make sure the DNA would get tested. By December 25, 2002, the DNA test commissioned by the anonymous woman came back with negative results. The woman knew the identity allegedly through visions she received while practicing an indigenous religion. Doe allegedly came from a group home in Minnesota, and her mother was murdered. Though the tests failed to identify the girl, the woman refused to believe the results and vowed to continue her investigation. Later on, this woman was to be identified as Sharon Nolte. On August 25, 2003, a TV personality, Herb Humphreys, who had been reporting on Doe's story for over 20 years as a reporter on KMOV, Channel 4 News. MW even went a bit further and contacted KMOV to see if there was some old footage available. Unfortunately, there was a price to search and a price to buy the rights. Between 2001 and 2004, it's estimated that the building was removed, and it is only a grassy lot. So the 5635 five Clemens is no longer. July 2004, Detective Tom Carroll and Jeff Stone interviewed Tommy Lynn Sells on death row. They were quoted. The interview was inconclusive. Carroll thought Sales would claim anything. Later on in the year of 2004, Tom Carroll would find possible matches for Doe via the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children Then he contacted the families to get DNA. 11 of 12 gave DNA freely, but the one family they didn't. Carol had local police get a sample from their trash. The white substance, semen, found on Doe was tested around this time and had no DNA. The pubic hair found on Doe did not have enough DNA in it to do anything with it as well. Doe's DNA is in CODIS. By this time frame, but when it was put in exactly is unknown. In 2005, Missouri will now collect DNA from all convicted felons, no matter the crime. Later on in that year, May 19, 2005, Tom Carroll visits the killer Vernon Brown on his execution day, hoping that Brown might say if he killed Doe in 1983. Carroll was convinced that Brown did it, but Brown went to his execution without revealing anything. 2009, Doe's body was attempted to be exhumed, but three other bodies were in her gravesite under her donated headstone. In 2011, Dr. Michael Graham, St. Louis City medical examiner, approves to exhume the Doe's remains for further testing. In March 21st of 2013, the search was still ongoing for Doe's lost gravesite at Washington Park Cemetery. St. Louis cold case detective Dan Fox retired detective Joe Burgoo, Charlie Fuchs, funeral director, Calvin Whitaker, and Washington University researcher Abby Stiliano, joined in the search. In addition, they rely on help with Ed Sedej, an industrial photographer from Belleville, who had covered the funeral as a photojournalist. June 17, 2013, Doe's body was exhumed after several months of searching for her lost grave site, The body was transferred to the medical examiner's office with the intent to do some testing. By January 21st of 2014, the following year, testing had been completed by this time, resulting in 10 southeastern states. Dan Fox, the detective, said he planned on making a media blitz for those regions. February 8th, Doe was buried at the Garden of Innocence a second time and with a proper burial. Two years later, Burgoon asked the FBI to rerun the case through the databases. Between 2018 and 2019, St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department starts its cold case unit. By September 24th of 2020, the cold case unit of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department has closed 10 other cold cases. They start an investigation into Doe, and she has her own room dedicated to her case. Lieutenant Scott Abochon is head St. Louis Metro Homicide Division currently. February 23rd, 2021, St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department Cole case files using their YouTube channel to plead to the public for help in this case. They report again that they could not find any relatives at this time through DNA. They report that they have enlisted outside agencies that have done everything possible with the DNA evidence found at the scene. They also have a substantial reward for the case available. I will go ahead and place their YouTube channel in the show notes. In a news article about the cold case unit, they allude to the possibility of private DNA databanks, citing that they are watching them to see how it solves other cases. September 16, 2021. A news article gives updates about what has been done in the case. Volumes of those case files have been digitized and moved from the boxes to a computer. Investigators have not been able to find relatives through the DNA. In summer 2021, the Our Precious Hope documentary was released for a time on YouTube. It was later redone and re-released with an acclaim and even more information. So by summer of 2022, which was last year, the Our Precious Hope Revisited documentary had been released. It has the best information and interviews with people involved in the case, past and present. And M.W. helped work on this documentary. The information provided in this film is the most accurate and up-to-date. It clears up old and information and contains interviews with leading detectives in the case. And so, if you have made it this far, there is good news. This case is never closed, and some people working tirelessly to solve it. Among those are the professionals like Joe Burgoon, who is still helping, and the new cold case unit. In addition, as the head of the St. Louis Metro Homicide Division, Lieutenant Scott Abuchon has an entire room dedicated to our little Doe, room 425 and some have adopted Little Doe in their hearts as their own. They work on the case by researching and keeping her story alive. 314 Bird Studios and the entire team that made the Our Precious Hope St. Louis baby Jane Doe, the countless bloggers, bloggers and writers, the armchair sleuths and detectives. We all care and one day we will find out who she is and who killed her. We are now Little Doe's family. We must hold people accountable and we want her name back. I invite you to join the project to give our precious Doe her name back. Also, join the group of people fighting to find out who did this to a baby. It starts by learning the details of her last days on Earth and then, from there, sharing the story. I strongly suggest that you go to the links in the show notes. And be prepared for part three, where I talk directly with the director, Edouard Bird-Sosa, who created the documentary, Our Precious Hope, and Our Precious Hope Revisited. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Hands Off My Podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support the mission, I do have a Patreon membership that will help the cause and bring more detail on cases and stories from the People of Color community. If you yourself has a lost loved one, or a story suggestion, please don't hesitate to contact me at email, handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com, and if you are only able to support in another way, please give this podcast a 5-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And continue to listen to upcoming episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. Dios te Vega.